Hey everybody, it's Mark. Welcome or welcome back to the New Spring Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free New Spring app where you can access all of our recent message content. Actually, the app is the easiest way to share all this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around here at New Spring. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Just in case the title of this series has anybody intimidated, let's just all relax for a moment because everybody has a secret life. The person to your left does, person to your right, you do, I do. We all have a secret life. And some of it's healthy because after all, God has given us all personhood and identity and there's a part of our life that we keep boundaries around and rightfully so. I mean, for instance, uh, you wouldn't want to tell everybody everything you're thinking. I've had people say to me from time to time, oh, and in order to be transparent, I have to tell my wife everything I think about everything she does. <laughs> that's not transparency. That's insanity. <laughs> you know, there, there's a part of you that you don't want to share with your boss about how you feel about him. Now, here's the thing. I'm, I'm not being funny, really. In reality, there is a part of you that is you that is, is who you are. It's your identity. And as long as God has access to those rooms, that's not a problem. But you and I know that's not what we're here to talk about today. There's a secret part of us that's dark. Next week, I'm going to talk about why it is. But let's just start there. There's a secret part of us that's dark. Things go on that we don't want people to know about. There are thoughts, ugly thoughts, that come out to live in our heads when the people we love are not around. Habits that we're ashamed of absolutely rule our lives like we were slaves, and all of us have it. For some of us, it's a place that we visit. Just from time to time, we go to that place. For others of us, we visited it enough to where we actually live in that, that place, in that secret life that's dark. What I want to say to all of us today is that it's a ticking time bomb, and it threatens to blow up a lot of things. So here's the question for this series. The question is, how do we deal with that secret life before it deals with us? See, at this moment, you still have a whole lot of control over the circumstance. But for all of us who lead a secret life that's dark, that's getting worse, there is a point where we won't have any control of it, and it will have control over us. And so I'm going to run the risk of going to a little bit darker place with this series because my, my, my prayer is that with what happens at New Spring is that we can keep from having trouble in our lives. So today in this series, My Secret Life, let's just start with this question. Why do we do it? I mean, why do we have a secret life that's dark? Because when it's all said and done, I don't think it makes us happy. I don't think we're glad that, I mean, here's the thing. If you have a secret life that's dark and it's, it's threatening your life, I don't, think, I don't think you're happy about it. I mean, I, honestly, I, 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 there are all kinds of problems. There's all kinds of pain associated with leading a secret life. There's the fear of being discovered. There's the risk of losing everything associated with our real identity. There's the loneliness of pretending to be somebody that we're not. All of that trouble to do something I don't think we want to do anyway. Someone has said, Americans buy things they don't need with money they don't have to impress people they don't like. There may be an element of truth in that. I'm just saying it's the same kind of thing. I think for those of us who have a secret life that's dark and that's all of us, I don't think we want it. I think we want to be liberated from it. I, I don't know everyone here, but I know this about you. If you're healthy, 
you crave being authentic. You crave the freedom to be who you are, to be able to communicate your true feelings. There's something about all of us that we want, <laughs> we want to stand on the mountain with the wind blowing our hair, for those of you, unlike me, who still have hair. We want to feel that freedom to be fully transparent. So just in order for us to get help today, let's, let's just start with this, this simple message I'm going to share with you for the next 25 or 30 minutes. There are two questions that we want to ask today. Why do we lead a secret life? We need to know what makes us tick. And number two, what can we do about a secret life that's dark? Now, again, I'm going to, as you can imagine, I'm going to continue to answer those questions for the next four weeks, God willing. But today, we're going to make a start. Let's, let's go here. Why, since we don't want to, why do we lead secret lives that are dark? For me, whenever I want answers, I want to go to the Bible. And as a Bible student, I don't like to talk about theology I just want to make sure I give you guys help from God's word. But let me just say this. If you were going to study theology, one of the courses that you would take is a course called hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the science of interpretation. There's a science to, under, to interpreting the Bible correctly. And there, there are laws that are part of hermeneutics. And one of my favorite hermeneutics that I think about every time I open the Bible is something called the law of first mention. And it goes like this. Whenever you see something mentioned in the Bible for the first time, it will, it will behave consistently throughout until some event or until God changes it. So in other words, if, if you want to see how something works in the Bible, go back and find the very first account and draw as much as you possibly can from that. So we want to know about secret life. Where would you go, where would you go in the Bible to find the first occasion of secret life? Well, you, you wouldn't have to go very far in the Bible. In fact, you could go to chapter 1. Because in chapter 1 of Genesis, the Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth, and ultimately, on the sixth day, he created human beings, and he created a man and a woman, which we all go back to. And by the way, even science says we all go back to the MRCA, most recent common ancestry. I mean, even science will say we all go back to the same woman, we all go back to the same man. Of course... <laughs> I don't want to talk about this because I'll get off on it and I get really interested about this. But for a long time, they said, oh, but they weren't married. They weren't, they weren't living at the same time. The most recent common female ancestor was like 500,000 years ago. The most recent common male ancestor was like 235,000 years ago until a study came out uh, three years ago that said, no, no, it's way more recent than that. And it's the same time. Well, I'm not surprised at that. It makes all the sense in the world. If we want to figure out how we got here... I kind of like the idea of us all going back to a man and a woman who got together. That makes sense. Coming from a frog, coming from a tadpole, coming from primordial ooze, that I'll have a hard time with. I think anyone who thinks that probably should rethink that. But anyway, we'll save that for another conversation. So the Bible tells us that God created the first man, the first woman, Adam, and he put them in creation, and he put them in a perfect place, the Garden of Eden. Now, the one thing about God and all of his creations, he always gives us choice. He always gives us free will. As you can imagine, I get asked the same question a lot of times as a communicator for God. And one of the questions that I've been asked so many times is, Mark, if God knew Adam and Eve were going to sin and sin was going to bring all the darkness into the world, why did God give Adam and Eve the choice? Well, obvious. If, 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 the, if the people in your life don't have any choice but to do what you want, then they're robots. They don't have the freedom to love you. 
And God, God is all about love. So consequently, all of God's creation, he gives those creation, those beings, choice. Well, makes all the sense in the world. Where are they? They're in a garden. So consequently, if God's going to give them a choice, has to probably be something to do with the garden. Again, it has nothing to do with the fruit. You know, people have asked me, what fruit do you think it was? I don't know. It may not have even been a fruit that we know of today. It's just simply this. God was saying, look, all you know right now is good. And you don't know the dark side. And God is saying, you can have any fruit in the garden that you want. There's just one tree. I'm asking you to leave it alone. He was setting up a choice. And God said that the day you eat of that fruit, you're going to die. Now, along comes Satan who is God's arch enemy. He rebelled. He was one of God's angels that rebelled before the creation of the world. We read that in Isaiah and Ezekiel. Satan comes along to Eve and he said, and this is interesting because this is so much like what I hear today in 2021. He says to Eve, God is wrong. Now he never offers her any evidence. This is like, Satan is like, take my word for it. You will not surely die. And and he went on to say, God knows that the day that you disobey, then you'll be like God, and you can make up your own rules. Strange, isn't it? How little has changed since the first, first human beings. Well, in time, Eve, the Bible says in verse six, she gave some, she ate, she gave some to her husband. He ate it too. And at that moment, and here's when we're going to start getting some help because we've asked the question. Why do we have a secret life? And we said, we're going to go back to the Bible and we're going to get the first mention. At that moment, their eyes were opened. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. Okay, we're getting a little clue as to why we lead secret lives. There is, there is a nexus between sin and shame. We all feel that. When we do wrong, we feel shame. We do wrong, we feel shame. In our culture today, there's the idea of this world that you can somehow be right without God. And what does our world say? The world says you can do wrong, but don't feel any shame. Good luck with that. Because it's just part of the way we're made. That when we do wrong, we feel shame. Now, here's the thing. If we're going to understand the way we behave in our secret lives, we have to watch what happens next with this first mention. Okay, so here's what happens after Adam and Eve do wrong. Genesis 3, verse 8. When the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, they, next word, hid. They hid from the Lord God among the trees. There is your beginning of a secret life. They do wrong. They feel shame. They hear God. They hide. Verse 7. Look at this, look at this. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Okay, hide, cover. Verse 11, the Lord asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman. (laughs) Ladies, have they changed it all? (laughs) It was the woman You gave me. Adam suddenly discovered why he had two hands. (laughs) Not my fault. I'm not responsible. It was her fault, and it's your fault for giving her to me. Now, he was real happy when he first gave Eve to Adam. There you have it from the beginning of time. We understand how we function in a secret life. It is human nature to hide, cover, blame, or shift responsibility. 
Let's unpack that. It starts with hiding, doesn't it? That's, that's just human nature. When we, when we do wrong and we feel shame, it is human nature to hide. You ever see a little kid get into trouble? I mean, you don't have to teach the kid to hide. In fact, what's really humorous sometimes is to watch a real little kid do something wrong and he's hiding where everybody can see him, but in his mind, he's hiding. <laughs> what does hiding say? Hiding says, I'm not showing up. Now we're having a little fun and we're chuckling just a little bit and thinking about that, but you know, there are all kinds of ways of not showing up. I could be talking to a guy here and you're married and there's some stuff going on in your life. And you physically show up, but you're, you're not really showing up at home. I mean, there are people at work that way. I mean, I'm talking to some people here who are managers, your leaders, your owners of businesses, and you've, you've hired really, really smart, talented people, but for some reason, even when you give them opportunity, they don't show up. By the way, for some of you, and this is, this is, just, for, this is just leadership coaching, See, the reason why a lot of us don't understand people like that who work for us is we're all about opportunity. I mean, here's the thing. You go back to the early part of your career, and you're thinking, all I was asking for is just somebody give me a little crease of daylight, just somebody give me an opportunity, and that's what drives you. It's like, you don't have to give me, you don't have to give me a four-lane highway. Just give me a little crease of opportunity. And then you hire people that are gifted, and you say to yourself, Listen, I'm going to give him a lot of opportunity. And then all of a sudden you find them kind of like close up like a flower on a hot day. They're hiding. I'm not showing up. But we'll leave that because it doesn't last for very long. We realize if we're going to function in this world, we have to show up and interact with others. So we go from the initial reaction of hiding to something really dangerous. We have to figure out how to hide in plain sight cover up. If I'm covering up, I've got to somehow make you think you're not seeing what I'm afraid you might see. Like I say, this is where a secret life really gets dangerous. Y'all are all too young to remember this. But do you remember, for those of you who are like my age, do you remember Watergate? And I guess all political scandals ever since that time. Do you remember the saying that came out of Watergate? It's not the crime, it's the, it's the cover up. Yeah, and isn't it, uh, isn't it strange for all of you who are my age or older and you were around when Nixon did it? I mean, isn't it strange that it happens over and over and over? And we always say we, we, we can't figure these politicians out, we, and not just politicians, religious leaders, public figures. It's not the crime, it's the cover-up. See, here's the thing. Covering is where the pretending starts, and pretending, hello, it's where the bondage starts. One more time. Covering is where the pretending starts, and pretending is where the bondage starts. Now, when our first parents covered up, <laughs> let's look at what they did literally, and I think it's going to give us some instruction figuratively for the problem with covering up. Fig leaves. There are two problems with fig leaves. The first problem is they're inadequate. Fair? It's just they're inadequate. I mean, if you want to try this experiment, first of all, try it at home when you're by yourself. <laughs> go get you some fig leaves, but don't go outside. 
because fig leaves are inadequate. You know what's interesting is you think about, don't, don't think about you right now. Think, be comfortable. Think about somebody else right now who's covering up. They think they're covering up, but they're not, are they? Because fig leaves are never adequate. Ooh, the second one's kind of creepy. I'll say this as genteel as I possibly can. Fig leaves have little stickers on them. They have little spines. And when I think about where they place those fig leaves, I have to think to myself, that was not a real good idea. (laughs) Covering up is painful. Not only is it inadequate, it's painful. And just could I say this for anybody who's covering up today? Satan will keep you in that bondage as long as you let him. Here's the deal. I'm talking to some of you, you're 20 years old, you're covering up, you're like, you know what? I'll figure this out in four or five years. And then I'll start being authentic. You know what? If you could talk to somebody in their 30s around here, somebody who's covering up, they would tell you, I thought I was going to have this covered. I thought I was going to have it figured out in my 20s, but now here I'm in my 30s. I guess when I get into my 40s, I'm going to have it figured out. Satan, will, he, he will run out the clock on you. Or he'll let you run out the clock. Well, Adam and Eve thought this through. They realized that they couldn't hide any longer. And then they, they, they realized that covering up was not going to work because ultimately God was going to hold them accountable. So they had it figured out. They had something else up their sleeves. I don't guess they had sleeves. They figured that when God shows up, you know, if we can't hide anymore and we can't cover up anymore, then we'll blame. It's like, it's not my fault. God, it's that woman that you gave me. And Eve said, it's not my fault. The devil made me do it. Well, it's 2021. And you know what? That's real popular today. It's not my fault. It's my parents' fault. It's not my fault. It's my teacher's fault. It's not my fault. It's law enforcement's fault. It's not my fault. I just keep finding the wrong guys. Now, time out for a moment because I just kind of upset someone. You're like, well, Mark, that's the truth. Fair point. Did you notice that God didn't contradict Adam and Eve? I mean, Adam had a point. The woman had an influence over him. Eve had a huge point. The devil came along and, and messed her up. So God never said, you guys are lying. It was just that it wasn't going to get them anywhere. Our culture is training us to be perpetual victims. Who really wants to live that way? Is that going to be our coping mechanism that we're going to be able to run back and and say, I'm a victim? I mean, the thing of it is, we live in a broken world, and there's a lot of flawed, broken people that do a lot of things to harm us. The question is, do we want to stay in that world? But I just want us to look and see why we lead secret lives. And that first mention is Adam and Eve, and you see it. I mean, they did something wrong. They felt shame. They had mechanisms to deal with it. They, They would hide. They would cover. They would blame. But none of it was going to work. So let's go to the second question, because this, it's where we need to spend the time today. What do we do about a dark secret life that we all have? Well, we need to divide the message into two parts here, at least this answer. Here's the first part. Let's say it's something that we're doing wrong. And our, our dark secret is something that we're doing that's not right. Let's take pornography, for instance. You know... <laughs> 
In my early days when I was growing up, if somebody wanted to pursue pornography, they had to go to sleazy places to buy it. But today, pornography is as close as any electronic device. And it's almost mainstream. But it's still as filthy and vile as it ever was. And it's still as destructive and addictive. So let's just say that there's a guy here, and I think the chance, I mean, looking at statistics, I mean, one of the things that scares the life out of me is I live in a world of, of pastors, and I don't know how this statistic is mine, but it scares the life out of me that somewhere between 30 and 50% of ministers are involved at some point with pornography. So let's just say that we have a guy here who is in porn, and you have a secret life, and you know it. Or there's a relationship. You love somebody, somebody loves you, but you begin to get into a sideways relationship. Maybe somebody you work with, and it may just be emotional right now, but you know where it's headed, or at least you can see the direction it's going. Or maybe it's something that's legal, but it's not honest, or, or something you'd have a hard time explaining to the people that you love. Okay, whatever it is, what, whatever that secret darkness is that we're doing wrong, at the risk of being uncomfortable for a few moments, get it in your head. What I'm about to do right now is I'm about to tell some of you why you can't get victory over it. Because here's the thing. I know that many of you love God very much. And that dark secret that you have in your life, it's completely, it's completely 180 degrees antithetical to who you are as a person. And time after time, you've said, I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to do this again. So I'm going to tell you why you haven't gotten victory over it yet. Isn't it true that most of the time we're worrying about what getting found out would cost us with the people in our lives. For that guy who's in porn, what would happen if my wife found out about this? Or the person I love? What would happen if my husband found out about this? This relationship that I've got that's not right, and I know it's not right, although I've given myself and others all kinds of rationalizations for it. What would happen if my what would happen if my husband saw my texts? What would happen if my boss found out? What would happen if law enforcement found out about it? What would happen if it hit the media or, or worse yet? What would happen if it hit social media? Would you hear the heart of a pastor who's been doing this for a long time? And although I don't counsel, I've talked to hundreds if not thousands of people, many in my office when the bad news was coming out. Would you just hear my heart? I mean, I've been around so many times when the secret life blew up and caught up with people. If your concern is what would happen if the people in your life found out about it, nothing's going to change. You will just simply not have the power to change. There is not enough power in worrying what's going to happen when people find out. There's not enough power there for you to change. That's why everybody gets caught. Let me show you what would have the power to change. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 13, the Bible says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything's naked and exposed before his eyes, and he's the one to whom we are accountable. See, here's the thing. The reason why we don't have the power to change if all we're thinking about is what's going to happen with people is we're, 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 we're ignoring the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is that God is the one who ultimately we're in trouble with, and we're just, we, we, he sees everything we're doing. You, sir, for, 
for you who are in porn, every time you log on, every time you turn on the device, you do know God is right there with you watching everything that happens. And for you to say, well, I, don't, I worry about what would happen if my wife found out, what you're basically doing is flipping God off with both hands saying, I don't care that you see. You do understand that when you get in the car with him, God is in the car with you. Someone will say, Mark, that really scares me. I meant to do the exact opposite. Because see, here's the, here's the thing. When you begin to look at the issue that you have, your dark secret, and you begin to understand that your issue is with God, that's when you can get real help. I want to give you a verse of scripture that we'll see again in this series, but I want to give it to you in two translations. Proverbs 28, verse 13, the Bible says, whoever hides their sins will not be successful. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Wish I could take you through the hundreds of conversations I've had with people who are about to go out and knowingly blow up their, well, do the wrong thing. You know, I've talked to so many guys through the years you know, he would set up an appointment with me and he would try to explain to me why it was okay for him to leave his wife and his kids and go after somebody that he hooked up with at work. And, and basically he, was saying, he would say something like this, God loves me, God wants me to be happy, I need her in order to be happy. So consequently, God wants me to hook up with her. Well, that's about six inches on the other side of complete insanity. You know what I would say to him? I would say, this will not end well. It will not end well. Because the Bible says whoever hides their sins will not be successful. Here's the thing. If you have a dark secret in your life and it's something that you're doing wrong, don't kid yourself that you're going to somehow keep, this, keep all the balls in the air. The Bible says it to me. It says... The Bible says to you, your sin will find you out. It's a ticking time bomb. It, 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 it will come to light. Whoever hides their sins will not be successful. But whoever confesses their sins and stops doing wrong will receive, watch this word, we'll see it again one more time in the next translation, mercy, mercy. Okay, my secret life, that's the title of the series. He who keeps his sins secret will not do well, but the one who is open about them and gives them up will get mercy. Why is this so important to us? There are two words that we regard as similar, but in some ways they're almost opposites. Those words are grace and mercy. Now, the reason we put them together in a sentence is because they do, they do go together. They are, they are actions on God's part. But here's the thing. Grace and mercy are very different. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. This is my third time to bring this talk this weekend. And I've noticed, I don't think I've ever spoken when our, our, it's so quiet. <laughs> do you know why it's quiet? Because we're coming face to face with this. I mean, here's the thing. A lot of times we just shove this to the background, but this particular sermon and this topic has brought it to the, to the forefront. And all of us have a secret life. There's All of us have a part of us that's dark. And all rational people are thinking, uh-oh, how much trouble am I in? But do you hear the word of God? See, here's the thing. The reason why it's getting quiet in here, we think about all that I deserve 
And yet the word of God is saying to you, if you will be open about this to God, and confess means to say the same thing that God says about it. We live in an age today of so-called a, a modern Christianity that says sin is not wrong. <laughs> well, I, that's hopeless. If I'm going to come to God, I've got to be honest with God. I, I can't blame somebody else. I've got to say, God, it's, it's my fault. But the Bible tells us if we will be open about sin, that God will not only forgive us, but he'll give us mercy and not let us experience what we deserve. I was born at night, but not last night. And I know that someone's listening to this, and here's how you're hearing this. And I don't mean to offend you or anything, but I understand how some hear this. Okay, okay. I'm in a relationship that's not healthy and I'm doing stuff I shouldn't do, but it's good to know that when I get around to ending this relationship that God will have mercy if I'm open and honest about it. <laughs> no, you, you, the Bible says don't be deceived, God's not mocked. Whatever we plant, we're going to harvest. I want to show you a verse of scripture that you really and I really need to take very seriously today as we're examining our lives. There was a woman in the book of Revelation chapter 2 in a particular church, and evidently she was in some kind of sexual sin. Listen to the language. God said, I gave her time to turn to me. One translation says, I gave her space to repent. I gave her time to turn to me and change the way she thinks and acts, but she refuses to turn away from her sexual sins. I will never forget something that happened to me many years ago. I think it was 1991, and I preached through the book of Revelation. It took me almost a year. It's still one of Mary Alice's favorite sermons series, but I can't listen to it. But I remember I preached on Revelation 2, and I talked about this. There was a man in the audience who was in the process of blowing up his life. None of us knew it at the time. But I talked to him months later when he sat in my office and his marriage and his family was blowing up and he sat there and he wept as he said to me, I was sitting in the audience that morning when you preached Revelation 2 and he said, I heard God say, I gave you space to repent. But he said, I didn't listen. So I would encourage us here today, take this seriously. There's still time to turn around. Okay, I need to go a completely different direction. Because see, here's the thing. Some of us are leading a secret life. We're doing things that are dark. But then there's some of us who are leading a secret life and it's because of something someone did to us. No one ever gets to really know you because somewhere back in your life, something happened, somebody said something, something happened in life that changed your trajectory and from that moment on, you were never you. You have talents, but you don't use them. You have dreams, but you've given up on them. And somebody kicked all of that out of you. I mean, you know how things go. Someone said you were fat or dumb or slow or that you're nobody or you're a failure. One of the things that's always broken my heart as a pastor, my heart as a pastor, is I hear grown adults say that their parents said those things to them. But somebody pressed you down, made you believe you were a loser, and you got the idea, if you were ever going to cope, if you were ever going to survive in this world, since the real you was a loser, you had to be somebody else. In fact, coping meant you're going to have to spend your life being somebody else. And that's a very painful way to live. 
Because at the moment you quit being yourself, then, of course, you're dealing with a lot of different people. And, and you, have to be, you have to be different people to different people. And, and after a while, you almost forget who you are anymore. You are who God wanted you to be. Could I say that again? You are who God wanted you to be. Like, like a glove fits a hand, you, you were meant to look like you. You were meant to have your personality. You were meant to have your gifts, not necessarily someone else's. You, oh, this is complicated. Just work with me for a moment. You were meant to have your inherent challenges. Now, I understand this is a broken world and people do wrong and, and we do wrong. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying nobody brings everything to the table. All of us have challenges that we have. You, you were meant to have your inherent challenges. And it may sound Pollyannish, but it's not. As true as creation is itself, there is a missing gap in God's world that fits you. And somewhere back in time, someone said, why can't you be like somebody else? And it may have been spoken that plainly from an adult in your life, or it just could have been Madison Avenue, and you're watching commercials, and it's like, why can't I look like her? Why can't I be like him? Well, we're not worried about the culture, are we? We're worried about what we can, I mean, what God says is true. And there's an interesting verse in the book of Romans chapter 9. It asks the question, who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, why have you made me like this? If we're pretending to be somebody we're not, we may have never articulated that question to God, but there's a part of us really that is asking that question. God, why did you make me like this? Now, time out. I understand that that message is corrupted today by people who get into lifestyles of sin, and then they say, God made me like this. I, I don't think I would try that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just that emotional, personal cocktail that is you. If you try to live your life being somebody else, it will drive you crazy. And the rest of the world will never get to know the real you. Why do I press this today? I preached a series called My Secret Life 11 years ago to the very week. In 2010, I preached a series called My Secret Life. Now, a lot of you will not know what I'm talking about because you've come recently to New Spring in the last five, six, seven years. But for any of you who were around in 2010, that will ring a bell because you know at the end of 2010, at the risk of being painfully transparent, I hit the wall. Just years of not dealing with anxiety, and this may not sound like a whole lot, but I can tell you it, it, it's, it's a challenge. Years of dealing with ADD. And here's the thing. Just, if, if, you go, if, if you go back to 2010, I would have never shared that with the audience. If I'm talking to anybody here today and there's something going on in your life, there's a dark part of your life that's been affected, that keeps you from being who you really are, and you feel like you're running ahead of it. It's chasing you, but you feel like, I can keep outrunning this. I don't know if any of you deal with an anxiety disorder like I do. 
But for years, I never talked about that, but I knew about it. I mean, it was stuff I never even, some of it I never even talked to Mary Alice about. I mean, and, and people would look at me and they would say, Mark is fearless, and it's true. I've I, I taken on great challenges, but there's a part of me that can get, the part of me that can get absolutely locked into a thinking that I would be embarrassed if anyone else saw. I mean, I can have a little red spot come up on my hand, and I know it's cancer, and I can even tell you how many months I have left to live. Of course, it goes away at the end of the week. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. If you don't deal with that, you won't even know what I'm talking about. But all these, it's 11 years ago, when I stood at this very spot, and I brought the first week of my secret life, <laughs> the, the weird thing was I had a secret, and eventually I hit the wall. And everybody knew because I told you. And I had to come back and preach this right. And again, I, forgive me for being personal. But this week I was watching a psychiatrist. I was watching a session of a psychiatrist. And he was describing ADD. And he was talking about all the different challenges of ADD. And then he, he kept saying over and over, you won't have all of these. You're just going to have some of these. And I, I sat there and thought, I've got every stinking one. I mean, I had perhaps the nation's leading ADD specialist, who's a psychiatrist, tell me, he said this to me, you may be the most ADD human being I've ever treated in my life. And I sat there and I watched that lecture this week, and I got a little depressed because I thought at my age, that's never going to be completely right. I'm going to have those things. There will be simple things that anybody can do that I can't do. But then I thought about my message and it spoke to me. As hard as it is for me to understand, God decided the world needed me. <laughs> for one thing, I mean, what do we always hear about New Springs? Not your normal kind of church. Well, I guess God didn't need a normal pastor to pastor a church. A little different. <laughs> One of the reasons that's on my heart is I came to Morales and I came to Wichita 36 years ago today. And it was like the Spirit of God said to me, and I preach it to you you were not cloned, you were dreamed up by the Creator. You weren't stamped out, you were designed. You have gifts and goals and dreams that God preloaded you with. Please don't fall into the trap of saying, if I had his brains or her looks, his upbringing, her money, you are the person that God designed. If you're leading a secret life because of some kind of messaging or something that someone said to you, come out from hiding. Let go of that today. God didn't make you to live that way. Come out from hiding and don't cover up anymore. And you don't want to blame anybody. Okay, let's go back to what we talked about a few moments ago. Let's say it's something that you and I are doing wrong. I have a sneaking suspicion that all of us are in both categories. But let's say there's something that we're doing wrong. It's a dark secret that we're keeping right now. 
I want to encourage you to do something. If you don't go any further with your secret life today than this, bring your secret to God and have an honest conversation with him about it because he will know what to do with that dark secret. I'm sure I've told this story before at New Spring because I'm old and I've told all my stories a lot of times. For all of you who are young, you just should have been there in the 70s. <laughs> the 70s were just completely whacked. I mean, it was like the lost decade. <laughs> what 2020 was, and in, in, as far as one year, the 70s was for the whole decade. And in those days, we wore suits to church. And, and, and I guess in some ways, the suits then looked a little bit like suits now because they were, you know, they were real trim fitting and had kind of stovepipe legs and really, really narrow lapels. And, but I had to wear a suit all the time. And my, but it's, it's not that. It was the colors. We just wore colors in the 70s and nobody should ever wear. <laughs> my parents bought me this suit. I mean, I'm just, I'm just a little kid. But they, they bought me this suit and we used orange a lot back in those days. It was copper, and I don't mean just kind of like copper, like you know, sort of dark copper. I mean, when the sun hit that suit, it lit up the west side of Fort Worth. <laughs> My parents loved that suit. They would ask me, are you going to wear that suit to church today? If my dad was speaking someplace and the family was singing, dad would say, are you going to wear that copper suit? You know, and so I knew how much he loved it. Well, one day we were at church and we were having one of those, you know, potluck dinners. And I was eating a big piece of apple pie and dropped it in my lap. And it just like caked. All my, the, the, the top part of my trousers and caked the bottom part of my coat. And I thought, I have ruined this suit. You know what I did? I went home. I got out of it. I crumpled it all up and jimmed it in the back of a dresser door. And, and, you know, I thought, I've ruined it, and I don't, but I don't want to tell my parents about it. Well, <laughs> it's kind of hard to hide and cover, isn't it? My dad would say, you're going to wear that suit today? And I'm like, I just don't feel like copper today. <laughs> you're going to wear that suit today? I want to wear something else. And I got tired of lying and lying and lying. And finally one day, I went into the drawer, and I pulled it out, which now not only is it caked and dried with that apple pie, it's wrinkled and crumpled like it would have been if it had been there for weeks. And I carried it out to my dad and I said, Dad, I have ruined this suit and I'm sorry. I got to be honest about it. Never, I, I, I'm not, it's been a lot, a lot of years ago. I'll never forget though. My dad started chuckling. That's no problem. He said, we'll just take it to the dry cleaners. Dry cleaners? I didn't even know they existed. Dad says, no problem for me. Took the suit to the dry cleaners when it came back, it's all pressed and no more apple pie on it. See, here's the thing. You think you have ruined your life with this dark secret that holds you hostage. And you're running out the clock, living up your life, and Satan's got you in bondage. So you take that dark secret and you bring it to your heavenly father. He will know what to do with that. Jesus hung on a cross to pay for your dark secret. And if you will come and you'll confess it to him, you will find mercy. I don't want to end this service today without giving anyone an opportunity who may not have yet invited Jesus Christ into your life.
to invite him in. He's, he's, Jesus is wonderful. If you will invite Jesus into your life, you can have forgiveness. And here's the thing. The Bible tells us that not only does he forgive, oh, this is good. I wish I knew how to preach. Not only does he forgive us of our sins, but 1 John 1 says he cleanses us from See, here's the thing. Some of you, you've dealt with the guilt of that dark secret. Wouldn't it be something if you could not only be forgiven, but suddenly be innocent? To be clean and innocent. Hey, it came at a high price. Jesus paid. His blood can wash away things that no other cleanser can wash away. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to pray a prayer. It's a free gift. It won't cost you anything. The Bible says whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm going to pray a prayer that calls. And if you want to say it with me, I'll say it slowly so you can decide if you want to say it with me. Here we go. Let's pray. Dear God, I am a sinner. So much in my life that's wrong. But I believe you love me very much. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sins. I believe he arose from the grave. And since he's alive, I want him to be my savior and my king. In Jesus' name, amen. Real quickly, real quickly. If you just pray with me, I have a gift I want to give you. Inside there is a a New Spring Bible, just like I preach from. (laughs) A book I wrote during that really difficult season back 11 years ago that will answer a lot of questions. I didn't even know I was writing a book when I wrote it. I was just writing about salvation on one of the darkest days of my life. I did not know that was going to be the first book that probably 100,000 people have read right after they got saved. Our God does awesome things, doesn't he? He redeems brokenness. There's a journal and some other things. So if you just pray with me, go back to any info center, and all you got to do is say, I pray with Mark. They won't hassle you, bother you. I just want to give this to you. If you're watching online or watching on television, if you want this and you just pray with me, all you have to do is text the word prayed, P-R-A-Y-E-D to 97,000. And we'll, we'll get this out to you. Thank you so much for being here. See you next weekend. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our incredible kids and student environments, visit us at newspring.org. One more time, newspring.org.